Hey there, and welcome to the Confident Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Brooks. Join me as I sit down and chat with co-hosts, friends, and carefully curated guests and talk about all the things that empower you to become your best and most confident self. So let's get started. All right, ladies. So we have with us Candy Washington and we, oh my goodness, before we hit record, we just realized that we have so much in common. This is going to be a jam-packed episode of all the things that if you love what the Confident Woman stands for, if you love what we've been sharing on all of our episodes and the topics and conversations centered around self-image, self-confidence, self-love, really boosting that inner being so that you can really maximize your efforts into becoming that best and most confident self. So I'd love for you, Candy, to introduce yourself to our audience and share a little bit more about you and how you kind of came into this line of work. Yeah. So thank you for having me, Rachel. I'm excited to be here. And like you said, I'm Candy Washington. And my personal and professional purpose and passion is to add value to the lives of others through storytelling. And so the way that I got to that, you know, sort of aha moment or understanding of what my personal purpose and passion was, was I went to Georgetown University and I was studying philosophy and government and I was on the pre-law track. But I always knew that there was something inside of me that wanted to create, that had a story to, to tell and that really wanted to connect with people. But I think like the majority of people out there, I also had that voice that said, well, maybe you're not going to be good at this. Maybe you're going to fail. Like, who are you to think that you could be creative? Who are you to think that you could, you know, shine in a a different capacity other than academics, you know, where it's pretty easy. You study, you get the grades, you go to the school, you get the job, A, B, C, D, white picket fence, husband, dog, right? Pretty standard. So I had the calling within me, but then I also had the quite frankly, low self-esteem that a lot of perfectionists and a lot of codependents have. So after graduating from Georgetown, I had the wherewithal to say, you know, law school isn't for me, but then I went ended up going to New York City. I worked in PR and marketing for years. And then I still had that calling on the side that said, no, there's something bigger for you. There's something greater for you. And so I got, I was actually, people sometimes have a trajectory where they're in a crisis, where it's like everything's falling apart and they have to make a decision which way to go. Mine was the opposite. I was actually promoted at my job, but that meant all of the little things that fed my soul, all of the writing and the blogging and the and the acting and the curating that I was doing, you know, on my lunch hour, you know, on the weekends and at night, I sort of would have to step away from that to step into this bigger role. So I think that whether you're in crisis or whether you're in a, you know, change in life, that is always a moment of choice where you choose which path am I going to take? And so I got really clear on, well, why am I here? You know, why is the individual known as Candy Washington on this earth? And I realized that my purpose and my passion was to add value to lives of others through storytelling. And there were so many ways that I could do that, but not in the way that I was doing it now, because I was spreading myself too thin all over the place. So that's why I decided to quit my job and pack up all my stuff and move to L.A., And then I started to do full-time content creation through podcasts and blogs and writing. But this is the this is the rub. So when I started doing that, you know, as an entrepreneur, working for myself and being creative, I still found that I had a really hard time setting boundaries with myself, with others, for you know, saying no to people, for asking what I 
for what I really wanted, for asking what my rates were. So in corporate America and working in PR and marketing, I was spread too thin. But then now working for myself, I was also spread through too thin because the saying is true, wherever you go, there you are. So it wasn't necessarily the environment that I was in that needed to change. It was who I was being that needed to change, who I was needed to change, because I was still working within that codependent mindset that I had to always say yes. I had to overperform. I had to always support others, but I could never ask for support myself. I had to be perfect. I had to figure it all out on my own. So to me, that that's when I realized, oh, so no matter what I choose to do, what needs to change is who I be. And that's when I got on my journey of self-love and loving myself for who I am and for knowing that my presence is enough and that my value and my self-worth and you know my lovability does not stem from my performance or what I give, or what I do, simply because I exist, I am enough. And so that's where I really went on my own journey of self-love. Oh my goodness. I feel like you just took pages out of my like personal <laughs> diary too, not even what I share in my book, Chasing Perfection. Yeah. It's, oh my gosh, I'm relating to so much of what you just shared. And, and I jotted down a bunch of these notes because it's like, these are... I mean, thank you for sharing that, first of all, because it's it's so powerful when we can really come full circle and own so much of our being. And I think what really resonated just in sharing that stuff, you you mentioned two two really predominant questions that I feel everybody should be asking themselves, but the way you went about it and the way you discovered this, the first question was you were asking yourself, who am I? Like, who am I to go do these things? Who am I? And we start filling in that gap with all of our limitations, all of our fears, all of our beliefs, all of our experiences. And we limit right there because we can't imagine that we could be something great. We could be living on purpose, something higher in our calling into something greater. So when we look at that from that perspective, it's almost like we just shrink ourselves. We play small. We put ourselves in these confined boxes. We go back to that laundry list. That's kind of the quote unquote, the American dream. We're checking all the boxes, doing the things. But at the end of the day, we then, when do we pick ourselves up and say, wait a minute, is this, is this my life? Is this real life? Like what is happening here? And we lose ourselves. We lose our identities. We lose our ambition and we lose those lofty goals and the dreams that as children, we were encouraged to think and dream and we could be anything, right? Like nothing's off limits, but somehow we go through life and we have just limited, whether ourselves, our society, peers, norms, all this stuff. If we don't get that upper hand, we will continue to shrink, 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 shrink. And that is not something that's conducive to our purpose and our calling, which is really what today's conversation, from what I've sensed here, it will be more about that because you found yourself. And I love that you flipped that script and it wasn't no longer the who am I? You said, why am I here? Because when you could shift from the who to the why, it takes that whole focus off of you and it becomes something greater and bigger and it becomes about a we. And it shifts the whole paradigm. It shifts the whole perspective. And now your mission becomes something greater that you're stepping into this calling. And in the calling, isn't about the limits. It isn't about the experience. It isn't about all these things. It's literally what you said. Who do I need to be? And that being 
is so profound and that is the journey. So I'd love for you to share some more about that journey. What, you know, the obviously there's struggles, there's challenges, there's a lot of darkness in that journey. But man, oh man, does that light shine so bright once you get to the other side and you are just like, thank goodness for that hardship. Thank goodness for that darkness. Thank goodness for a season of self-discovery because now there's so much beauty and passion and purpose on that other side. So share with us a little bit more of that journey. Absolutely. I think, and and when you said about the darkness, I mean, I'm going to say a lot of cliches and a lot of buzzwords, but I'll bring them back home because they're true. They're cliches and they're buzzy for a reason, right? And it's like seeds only grow in the dark. So you need those dark moments to cultivate and to bring out the potentiality that's, that lives within you because you are the seed of your own life, right? And seeds only grow in the dark. You put them in the ground, in the darkness, and then they take root, then they get the nutrition they need, and then they're able to bloom. And the blooming is that light. The blooming is the result. But that cultivation happens in the dark. And so for me, when I went through those moments of darkness of like, well, how am I going to pay rent? You know, because on Instagram and on Twitter and on YouTube, you see all these influencers and all of these like boss babes and they seem like they're, oh, 10 months and all this stuff. But like, what do you do before you get there? <laughs> you know, what like, what do you, what do you do when you're not hitting those numbers and reality sets in? That's when you have to really hone in onto something greater than yourself and trust and have faith that this is going to work out, that I am meant for something and that I all I have to do is keep going. And so for me, what gave me that faith to keep going was I got really clear on my three P's, purpose, which is what I do for others. You know, how am I useful for others? How is my life and my service and my products and whatever you want to call it? How does that add value to other people? You know, purpose, utility. How can I be used for others? And then what are my passions? And passions are for me. Passion is what fills me up, right? What makes me happy? What do I love doing? And then the third, you know, because I do do this as my living, is profit as well. So how do I clear up those worthiness money blocks that I am worthy to be compensated for the value that I add to others? Because there's a lot of you know, money blocks and worthiness blocks around asking for money or compensation for the value that you add, particularly when it comes to women. You know, I'm a woman, so I'll speak for myself. But I think, and then also in the more creatives, like there's some false narrative that there's this glory in a starving artist, or if you make money doing what you love, then somehow you're kind of a sellout. But when you really look at it, the majority of entrepreneurs or creators, male or females, who are truly successful they are doing something that's creative and they're making a lot of money doing it. And there's really nothing wrong with it. So I had to not demonize wanting to live a comfortable, lovely life, adding values to others and making money off of the value that I add, you know, monetizing my gift. There is nothing wrong with that. Look at Steve Jobs. (laughs) You know, he literally created, thought up the iPhones and the Macs and all of this other technology to create a billion dollar business. And I don't think anybody would look at him and be like, how dare you charge us for iPhones? You would never think that. Look at Richard Branson. How dare you charge us for version airplane rides? How dare you charge for your gift? How dare you charge us for your ingenuity? Like how dare you, that would never, ever happen, ever. 
But yet, for some reason, we're taught how dare us ask to be compensated for the value that we add, you know? So I had to get really clear on, I have a purpose in this world, you know, who I am, the gifts that I have been given, they can help people and I want them to help people. And then I also get to enjoy my passion. I get to do it my way. I get to do it in a way that fills me up too. And I also get to make a profit. I also get to make money doing what I love because everybody can, so can I. <laughs> exactly. And and I think that sometimes when we talk about like profit or income or money, they could be triggers or sensitivity and things like that. And so how we interpret that is really a play on our own perceived value of worth. But I like that you had mentioned it, and I'm just going to tangent this here, here for half a second, but where we see other people doing the things and we think, well, if we need to take the course or do the program or buy the thing, that that's ultimately going to get us that success and those achievements. But I liked how you brought that back and you pulled it in and said, it didn't matter about that because I had my own limitations. I had my own beliefs. And what happens if I'm doing all the steps in this framework model of a course, but yet my successes are not the same as the next person going through it. So even though you can have two parallel journeys, you're going to end up in different destinations. And it ultimately comes back to, you know, not necessarily a money block or a worthiness block, but sometimes there's just a block in there. It's little, little, little tweaks that have been buried because like I said earlier, we have shrunk and played ourselves so small that we've squeezed into pieces and parts that we don't even know exist. So sometimes it's about picking up that extra stone or turning that corner. And we learn and discover and grow as we're still embarking on this journey of self-discovery. And I believe that you've never arrived. It's a constant evolution, but it's almost being proactive instead of reactive in this journey of, you know, finding our passions, our purpose, and tying it in to be more profitable. Because at the end of the day too, right? Like you said, we got to make money, but we got to make a living of it. And if we're doing this from a place that's like intentionality, we're being honest, we're holding our gifts, we're putting ourselves out there, then that's exactly what is supposed to happen is that you have something where people can really relate and it's a value exchange. And I think that ultimately it's not just about the money or asking about the money, but it's understanding your unique gifts and think of it as an invitation to exchange values. Because you got value, I got value. You know, we live in a system where money now, instead of bartering or, you know, I'll trade you my sheep for your cow or, you know, it was, it was different things like that. And so getting back into the whole money thing, we have to almost take that layer and peel back a little bit further and dig deeper into what it is that you don't feel comfortable asking about. Maybe that's the difference is you're taking a little bit of a path that's a little bit off the beaten path of where you need to go and you have to rediscover that part. So now you're like, oh, now I feel really confident because I'm aligned with what that is that I have to offer. So there's just a few different lanes that we could kind of pull in and, and bring this back full circle. But I do like that you had mentioned, you know, those three different things, having that clarity allowed you now to fully step into that uniqueness about you. And that became part of your self-discovery journey. So if you don't mind sharing a little bit, some of those journeys that led you to that path. Yeah. So I think some of the journey that led me to the path was really when I quit my job in New York and then I moved to LA and I had to learn how to support myself without that sort of safety net. You know, when you do work that nine to five, you know, you know that every two weeks you're getting your check, you're going to go in and 
you're fine. When you're working for yourself, it can be a little bit scarier. So I think really learning that it will be okay. I think that was really one of the biggest things because in those moments I had, I would have fear, you know, like, what if I don't, what if this doesn't work? What if I don't get another client? What if I don't get another brand gig? What if nobody buys my course? You know, what if nobody listens to my podcast, you know? So in those moments of fear, I just had to switch it to, but what if they do? What if this was easy? You know, what if this worked out? And I think that really taught me to learn to be more compassionate towards myself and also to really look at life, whether it's personal or business, from a place of curiosity rather than fear. Because I think when you have that fear of what if I fail? What if this doesn't work? What if I go broke chasing my dream? What if I get the money and then lose the money? What if I, whatever it is, X, Y, Z, what if I'm just not good enough in any capacity, right? Sometimes when you're in that space, it's really hard to go from fear to love. And to me, when I say love, I just mean that like, I got this, everything's okay, we're good, it's gonna work out. You know, all those affirmations, like everything was out for me, like, sure, that's great (laughs) when you're in that space. But I think we don't talk enough about how do you actually get there in a real way? Because when you're in that place of fear, it is very, very hard to go to that high place of joy, I got this. So I think a way to do that in a compassionate way is to just look at it in a way that's curious. So instead of jumping from, I'm afraid this isn't going to work. I'm afraid I'm not good enough to, I got this. Everything is cool. What if you just felt like, you know, what what if this did work out? What if it was okay to, to not worry about this? What if it was okay to ask for help? You know, what would it feel like if I knew that I couldn't fail? You know, so I think getting more curious and asking yourself questions in a more compassionate, curious way is a way to transition from that place of I'm fearful to that place of I am fully supported by something greater than me. You know, ease yourself into it. And I think that sometimes we think we have to put on this front and be so sure about everything, but that's also kind of denial. And that's also kind of delusion. And that's also kind of a way to numb the fear without actually processing and working through it. And I think the way that you process and work through the fear is being curious that perhaps things could be different. Perhaps I could feel differently. Perhaps this could work out. What if I did run out of money? What if nobody did buy my book? Well, then I'll just try again. Then something else will happen. Then maybe I'll have learned this. Then maybe that's just data. Maybe that's a great experience, right? It doesn't have to mean that I am a failure. It doesn't have to mean that I am not good enough. What would it feel like to not identify with my success? What if my success could be something? And what if I could be something else? So that was another thing I really had to learn how to do, particularly when I was doing more of like on-camera hosting and things like that. I really had to learn, and even with like writing and, and all my other stuff, I really had to learn how to separate my person from my persona or my product, you know, because if you identify with what you do, then your self-esteem and your self-worth and how you feel about who you are is tied to an external result. And when anything is tied to an external result, that's just an internal chaos. That's like when Brene Brown says, that's when you're always hustling for your worthiness. You'll be exhausted 
because what you're looking for is outside of you and that you can't really control. But your true value as a human being, as a person is within you. It's intrinsic. It's divine. And that is what is unshakable. And the beauty of that is that no one can give it to you and nothing can give it to you. You know, if I, you know, am a multimillionaire entrepreneur, I'm still as valuable as a human being. If I'm just working a regular, you know, nine to five job doing whatever, I'm still as a human being worthy and valuable and enough. So the beauty that no one can give it to you is it means that no one and nothing can take it away. And that has what has become my anchor. So, and I'm still, you know, a human. So I still have those fearful moments, even when everything's going great. What if this all goes away? You know, what if this, you know, whatever it is, you know, you still have those fearful moments because you're still a human being. But now when I have those fearful moments, I have the tools to work through them in a way that affirms who I am, that is compassionate and graceful with who I am versus thinking I have to be perfect or judging myself or criticizing myself or negative self-talk. You know, I can work through it in a self-compassionate way. So for me, that was kind of that journey. And, and we're talking about, you know, when we're kids, we're like, oh, we can dream big. We can do anything, right? It's like that because as children, we love children simply for because they exist. If you see a little five-year-old laughing, you're like, oh my God, you're the cutest little thing. I love you so much simply because they exist. But for whatever reason, we come adults. The first thing you ask someone is, oh, what do you do? So that is a signal that our value now has shifted from simply from who we be as children to now, what do you do as an adult? And I think as adults, we need to hold on to our worthiness and value for simply for who we are. You would never walk up to a child and say, so what do you do, little girl? Because I'm going to judge you on what your title is. <laughs> never, never. But in all the networking events or social events or just out, usually the first question is, oh, what's your name? What do you do? Not how are you? Not what do you like? Not what, what's going on? You know, how is your day? Like, not that. What do you do? As if somehow what we do is who we are. And that's not true. And it goes back to my three Ps. Because once you get clear on the three Ps, that then gives you the flexibility to change. So I know that my guiding principles are purpose, passion, and profit. But what the purpose and what the passion and what the profit is, I get to decide. And that gets to change. Because then sometimes we think that we have to stick to a plan or stick to a route or stick to a career or stick to a goal that we made because we made it. And there's no way for us to, to change our minds. Because if we changed our minds and that means we're quitting, that means we're a failure, that means it didn't work out, right? No, it just means that now you're being called to something differently. So allow yourself the grace and the flexibility to change. So I have my pillars, but what those pillars look like, I give myself the grace to change them. So my purpose could be, you know, adding value through storytelling. That pretty much stays the same, but the storytelling can change. I can tell a story through a podcast. I can tell a story through a book. Us having this conversation, we're just sitting here telling stories about our lives and what we've learned. This is a form of storytelling, right? It could be in being in a movie. It could be doing whatever, you know? And then my passions, they change all the time. Sometimes I'm passionate about watching The Real Housewives on Bravo because I just want to veg out and watch that. And it's just 
whatever. Sometimes I'm passionate about reading self-help books because that's what fills me up, you know, whatever it is. But I allow myself and profits definitely should change, right? You should want to be creating more, you know, each quarter or each year or whatever, however you decide to do it. You don't want to be making the same amount year after year, unless you want to, that's totally fine. But usually you want to see some type of growth or whatever. So if I want to see growth in one area of my life, why do I think I have to be beholden and stuck in something in all the other areas? You so I also allowed myself to grow and to be flexible in that. Like I used to love acting, but for the past year or so, I'm like, eh, it doesn't really fill me up. I don't, I'm not really, it's not really doing it anymore. And instead of thinking, oh, well, you know, you, you, you don't want to do it because you're a failure. You know, you're not this huge star or you're not this, you don't, you're not on a show. You're not blah, 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 blah. I just said, hmm, that no longer really lights me up and that's okay. What, what, let me get curious about, well, what does light me up? What do I feel really good about? What do I wake up thinking, wow, I can't wait to do that today, you know, and allow that me being called to doing something different doesn't mean that I failed at the first thing. It just means it's time to pivot. This has just been an incredible, I mean, I'm just literally taking notes. I'm absorbing everything that you're sharing. And I had to squeeze in a a mute on my mic as the sirens are going, but you know, this is real life. And I love that this is just such an open and honest conversation. And and to your point is, this is why this podcast exists. This is about this narrative and the storytelling. And, and like you, I had to get really pr- crystal clear on that as well. And through my journey of just writing my book, I realized I love sharing stories. And it's not just about me and my experiences, but how do I really tap into that lesson and pulling in all the quote unquote failures that I believe were failures. But now when we look at it from, you know, we really this whole journey and through and through and to sum it up is when you recognize what isn't working or where you're meeting resistance or discontentment or just feel out of alignment, we easily just flip the script. We take what wasn't and we flip it on its head. And so in doing so, it's like, how can I take those failures or those mishaps and mistakes, but yet close that into what can I learn from this? How could I grow from this? And yet, how can others benefit from my mishaps or whatever? And in doing so, it teaches you that, I wouldn't say like the art of storytelling because it isn't necessarily an art when you're connecting through conversations, through stories. It's not like this conversation here is scripted and curated. We had just met just a few moments ago kind of thing. But you see kind of the relatability and the vulnerability of just sharing, you know, some of these hardships, these struggles. And what we do, we bring commonality. And I'm over here like, oh my gosh, I, like I said, first thing led, leading in was, did you read my personal diary kind of thing? <laughs> right? Because it's such a beautiful gift. And this is the gift that you get to give yourself, but yet you're giving to others because you're allowing them an invitation into your space. You're allowing them an invitation into, you know, this journey, come with me. We're going in a similar direction. We're going to walk different paths. But you know what? We're not doing this alone. We get to experience this life. And a couple points that you had made, you know, one for, for it's really, you know, my common core is like, listen, at the end of the day, I absolutely hate labels. I hate boxes. I hate rules. I hate, I hate all those things that just shrink you. And then it takes out exactly who you are. You are a human being living here on this earth, but yet you're a soul, you're a spiritual being that resides in this human body. So when we can get beyond ourself, our physical, our, you know, 
accomplishments and achievements, we can seek so far deep into our existence. And that's where we tap into what you call your three Ps, understanding all that uniqueness, your purpose, your passion, your calling, and tapping into that. And so now, again, flipping that script, because for me, I was very much defined by my title, my role, my occupation, what I did, what I succeeded, what I achieved, and all that stuff, right? So all that unrealistic pressure and demand as already a perfectionist striving for something that doesn't exist. Now you put another unattainable expectation on me to now, what do you do? What do you have? And it's it was that flipping the script of where we think if we have the thing because we did the thing, then we can be whatever it is that we attach to that identity outcome. So flipping that now, we bring it full circle and tapping into, okay, I'm a human, but I have a soul residing in me. This kind of just like a temporary residency. I'm going through this life. What is it that I'm actually here for? What is it that I can make a difference? Whose lives can I impact? And so pulling this from your story earlier about recognizing that you are here for something greater. And it wasn't just about those avenues that, yes, they were fun and exciting and met a certain need at that time. But knowing that those were some of those barriers that we may not have known otherwise if we didn't venture down that path. So incorporating that, you know, instead of the the have, do, be, it becomes now be, just be, just be you, whatever that is. And that's always going to change because you're going to learn something new about yourself today versus tomorrow and the next day. So that's really cool. It's like the constant evolution. And you bring up that point about being flexible to that change because we know what it's like to kind of be that that rooted tree so rooted in your in your unflexible ways. I can't think of the word right now, but like so firm into that, that when life tries to sway you and encourage you and pull you and let you explore and venture, you can't because you're so rooted. And that's where we don't move with our with our path. And that's where things just feel like they're stifled and we don't feel like we're making that difference. And and we just say like, really, this is what life is? Why is that person so happy and joyous? Well, you can too. You got to get unstuck. So choosing, obviously, you know, when we look at it, yeah, that's all scary and stuff to venture out into things and not knowing. And, you know, I'm a person who likes to be very much in control and, and structured and whether that's, you know, something you're saying to yourself, but Recognizing that fear loves that stuff because it knows that you're not going to even look over the fence. It knows that you're not even going to look beyond. So how we combat fear, obviously, is by faith. And faith is really the belief in your trusted abilities, the belief that there's something greater, the belief that is beyond that vision of fear and limitations. And so all of this really coming full circle has just been an incredible conversation. I love this conversation. Like, I don't know, this is right up my alley. So if you can't, like, I'm excited about it. But, you know, when we talk about those labels and identities and where we find our value and that perceived sense of self-worth through our doing, how that just limits us, right? And so what would you say to somebody who's kind of in that Maybe they're going through that or maybe they're struggling right now and they feel they're meeting at the end of the rope and they're just like, I can't believe this is it. Like, there's got to be something better. There's got to be something more for me. What is that? So somebody who's on that fence and kind of venturing that path, what advice would you share? I would definitely say work on releasing shame and then also work on self-forgiveness because I think these are two foundational 
inner work that we need to do in order to truly cultivate self-love and self-confidence and in a belief and faith in yourself and something greater within you. Because for me, I had to really release shame. And to me, my shame was just thinking that I was alone, that I was the only one who didn't have it all figured out, or, you know, that I was the only one who was like struggling with different things, whether it was being codependent or being a perfectionist or, you know, not being able to have healthy boundaries. Like, so to me, I had that toxic shame around that. And I think that's what keeps us stuck in it, what keeps us silent, because shame tells us that there's something wrong with us. And that since there's something wrong with us, it's it's an our problem. It's a me problem. But when we start to talk and we start to reach out and we start to be vulnerable and transparent, you realize, oh, wait a minute, there's nothing wrong with me. This is just a human thing. You know, Becky's dealing with this. Tasha's dealing with this. You know, John's dealing with this. You start to realize, oh my gosh, this is just the human experience. You know, the shadow and the light, that's just a part of being human. So my fear is human. My shame is human. You know, all of that, it's just, it's human. My doubt is human. My not knowing is human. Whoa. So there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just a human being. But like you said, I'm I'm a part of the divine having this human experience. So when you realize all of the shadow parts of you, all of the parts of you that you're scared of, all of the parts of you that you might not like, all of the parts of you that keep you stuck and keep you down, that's just a part of, you, of your humanness, right? But the part of your divine is what comes in and says, okay, we get all that's going on, but guess what? you're still good enough. You're still worthy. You're still lovable. And none of that gunk, like I said before, can give it and it can't take it away. So you get to be the humanness of you, which is that joyful person, but it's also that sad person. It's that confident person, but it's also that insecure person. So you get to experience the beauty of the full spectrum, the highs and the lows and the goods and the bad of being a human. But the divine that lives with you is that rock. It's that intrinsic, unmovable value. So no matter what happens with my humanness, I'm still enough. So I can try the job and it not work out. That doesn't mean I'm a failure. That just means that way that I did something didn't work out the way I thought it would. Now I have this information. Now I have this data. And now I can just pivot to something else and use all of this wisdom I now have onto that. But it's not an indication of my intrinsic value and worthiness. Like I was listening to Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, and he talks a lot about Thomas Edison and how he failed 10,000 times before he got it right with like the electricity and all that stuff. And and I also talked about Steve Jobs earlier, how much like he like was fired from his company and then came back. The difference with people who even like Oprah, she was fired and, you know, then she came back and made all this stuff, like all these people. And I just say them because they're the big people that people know, but the pattern is the same. They redefine what failure is. Failure is not an indictment on my worthiness. Failure is simply data. It just means the way in which I did this didn't give the results I was looking for. So now I have the information to apply to the next time I try something. You know, it it is almost like being a scientist and your experiments. 
You're just experimenting with what's going to work and what isn't. And now I have the wisdom. Now I have the data. Now I have the information. And it goes back to what I was saying before when I really had to learn to separate my person, me, candy, my value from what I was producing in the world, my product or going on an edition or whatever it was, or a podcast or a book or whatever it was, because whether or not that quote failed or succeeded, I had to not let that mean something about who I was. I think that space, I would really work on shame. Brene Brown does a fantastic work around this. So I would really work on shame and I would work on self-forgiveness, forgiving yourself for thinking that whatever has happened to you or hasn't happened to you, what you have done, what you haven't done somehow makes you undeserving of what your true desires and callings are. Because when you are able to forgive yourself, it makes you think that you don't deserve whatever it is you want. And that's not true. Exactly. And and shame will do that. Let me just tell you, shame is like, you know, Brene Brown is, I always think of what shame and then there's just a picture of Brene Brown that always pops up because she is synonymous with shame. Yeah. She is. She is just incredible. And the way she calls them is like those, those gremlins, they will just pop out of the dark and just shame you and just tell you, look at you, you're stupid. You're, you couldn't do this right. You're failure. You're losing. And it's all that negative narrative. And, you know, for those who are like, shame is what? It's like literally tune into that inner critic. It is, that is shame in your experiential of real life. So the difference then, of course, from shame and guilt is, you know, just for context here is that shame, like you said, is it's telling you that there's something wrong with you. And the guilt is that I am the result of your failure. So like, I am stupid because I couldn't succeed. And this is why I got let go of this job or whatever narrative you tell yourself. And it's just such an interesting concept because it essentially leads us through this vicious cycle of, you know, perform, punish, and repeat. And I think, you know, sharing that similar experience with being perfectionist is like, how many times do we beat ourselves up by trying something new? And if it didn't succeed, it's like, okay, that's a perceived value of of our self-worth. We're not good enough. What do we have to do? And then we go out into like the world here to ask for help or seek to figure out what happened. And then it's like we're met on that other end by, it seems like, I don't know, just kind of me ranting on my own stuff here because this was such a a pain point to me back then, was that we are just in a society that just tells you that there's something wrong with you. That's why you need this product. That's why you need the solution. That's why you need my service and you need my, 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 right? So it's like, no, what if it's just, again, going back to what Candy and I are so passionate about, storytelling through conversation. And we realize that it's not about something wrong with you. There's nothing broken about you. There's nothing inherently, you know, defective about you. It's what the world has shamed you to believe about yourself, that you've lost your light, you've lost your dignity, you've lost your identity, you've lost your hope, and you've lost your purpose and passion. And that's all it is. You've just found yourself a little lost off the path. You haven't gone far. You're just kind of sitting on time out right now. But... There's hope and there's a way to get back on this path. And, you know, just through this conversation, Candy has given you so many steps and so many takeaways. And this has just been an incredible conversation. But I think, you know, ultimately how we can really redeem ourselves, because as we know, it's not anyone else or anything else out there that's going to give you the thing that you long for inside. And that's the only gift that you can give yourself is that rediscovery. 
because that's what Candy was sharing, is that you have a divine birthright. Nobody could take that from you. Nobody can rob you and strip you from it. But yet through all this muck and junk and guck that we've lost pieces of ourselves. But the beauty is we don't have to go back to find them. We can pick new pieces up as we begin to heal and explore. And you mentioned, you know, it just in the start of our conversation, you know, really the, I think would be almost the antidote to shame is self-love. Would you kind of walk us through a little bit more of that, of how we can undo some of that damage? Yes. So when it comes to self-love, again, I would start with curiosity. I would journal and get some self-love prompts. I would start with, I am open to learning how to love myself. Can you show me the way? And then just get really quiet and still, and then just let the divine, your higher power, infinite intelligence, whatever you want to call it, just work through you because all of your answers are always inside of yourself. So just get curious, you know, because you, again, it's sometimes it's hard to go from that feeling of shame to, oh, I love myself. So the way you work through it is get curious. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm open to it. I'm open to loving myself. I'm open to learning that I'm enough. I'm open to learning that I'm always divinely supported. I'm open to learning that at the end of the day, everything will be okay. I'm open to learning that there's nothing wrong with me. I'm open to learning that I can forgive myself. You know, I'm open to learning that I can accept myself, that I don't, that there's nothing that I actually need to change, that I'm actually okay exactly as I am. I'm open to knowing what it would feel like to be secure within myself. What would that feel like, right? So then just journal that out and, you know, write it out. And then in order to make an action plan, the next thing I would do would be, okay, so now that I'm open to this feeling, if I did truly love myself, what would be the top five things that I would stop doing, you know? And get clear with yourself, be honest with yourself you know, and ask it in a form of a question because your subconscious mind is it's more open to answering questions than statements. Like, I love myself. I'm going to stop doing this. Oh, you get a lot of resistance. You get a lot of like, no, you don't, blah, 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 blah. But if you just say, well, if I really loved myself, if that was true, what would be the top five? If you can't think of five, think three. What would those things be that I would stop doing? And then if I truly loved myself, what would be the top three, the top five things that I would start doing, right? So maybe it looks like, well, if I truly love myself, then I would stop telling myself that I'm fat and I need to lose weight every time I walk across a mirror. If I truly love myself, I wouldn't talk to myself like that, you know? And so now that I truly love myself, I'm going to start, you know, I'm going to start taking a 15 minute walk in nature every single day because I love myself. I'm not doing it to lose weight. I'm not doing it to look a certain way. I do it because I love myself, but I deserve to take a break. I deserve to connect. I deserve to slow down, you know? And now you have an intuitive, authentic, personalized blueprint for your journey to self-love because it's coming from within because you know what you need. You know what you need to give up. You know what you need to call in. You already know it. It's just that we sometimes don't stop to slow down and ask and to look in. And we keep ourselves busy and our mind cluttered because sometimes it's painful to truly look at ourselves. 
you know, a part of my journey, one of the most painful yet freeing things I did was I got really clear and serious that my life is 100% my responsibility. It's my responsibility. You know, God, whatever, for me, it's God, whatever word people want to use, gave me my life to take care of. And it's my responsibility. So I can't blame things outside of me. And I also can't credit things outside of me either, right? Because it's from within, it's from me. And sometimes it can feel like judging yourself or criticizing yourself. Well, if I'm responsible for my life and my life is shitty right now, then it's my fault. But that's not what we're saying. We're not saying that it's your fault. We're not saying that you should judge and criticize yourself. We're just saying, wow, now you are empowered with this knowledge. Now you are empowered with the tools that if you created this shitty life, you can create a beautiful one. Because at the end of the day, the person who's creating is you. So it's not to judge yourself and it's not your fault. And then also remember that, yes, you are creating and it's you and it's from within, but you're still living within a world. So things will happen that are outside of your control. Things will go up and things will go down. But when you come home to self, those things won't knock you as hard or you could get knocked, but you're able to pick back up, you know? Another thing that I had to work through myself, and this also goes with self-love, was I used to really live in this delusional, numb land where I was just, oh, everything's great. Oh my God. Yeah, of course. Like, la, 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 la. like it was just like, yes, yes, yes. Rainbow sunshines. Everything's cool. Everything's great. Nothing bothers me. Oh, don't worry about it. Right? That was la la delusion land. So I was operating from a place of everything's always okay, everything's happy, everything's joyful. And I was so afraid to feel the feelings of, you know what, that was actually really disrespectful and not cool. You know what, I'm actually really sad right now, or I'm angry, or that really pissed me off, or I'm frustrated. I was so fearful of these, I don't like to call them negative emotions, I call them unpleasant, of these unpleasant emotions that I was numbing myself to the opposite of those, to the to the true joy, to the true happiness, to the true good times, because you can't numb certain emotions without numbing all of them. And so I had to learn to embrace my own humanity and be like, you know what? I'm a human being. And right now I'm frustrated. I'm tired. I'm pissed. You disrespected me. I'm angry. That's not okay. And knowing that I'm allowed to feel exactly how I feel not in a mean way to other people, but I'm allowed to say, you know what? You're not allowed to treat me that way. You're not allowed to speak to me that way. You know, I deserve respect. I deserve, you know, decency. I don't have to pretend that everything's rainbows and sunshines all the time because right now it's not. One big emotion I really struggled with feeling was anger. I was so afraid to feel angry for things. And I realized I can say in this moment, I am angry, but that doesn't mean that I have to become an angry person. And the truth is, when you don't truly hold space for the emotions, that's when you become what you're resisting the most. That's when they say what you resist persists. So when I wasn't allowing myself to be angry for things that I was truly angry about, 
it would show up in different ways. That's why sometimes when people get, you know, in fender benders or not even that, just this person didn't signal on the thing and they road rage or this little thing just sets you off or your husband comes home and you're pissed because he didn't do something last week, but he didn't do, but he didn't take out the trash. Now you're yelling at him for the trash, but you're really pissed because he forgot your birthday or whatever it was, right? It's because energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only be transmuted, right? You can, you can change the energy. So even though I'm ignoring that anger, I'm ignoring that disrespect, I'm ignoring that disappointment, it's still there. And it it's like a toddler. I'm going to keep doing things until you pay attention to me. I'm going to keep doing things until you pay attention to me. And it's going to manifest, you know, sometimes it manifests in physical ways. People get migraines or headaches or, or disorders or stomach pains. It's that energy. It's that discomfort that is just saying, pay attention to me, hold space for me. So now when I get angry or frustrated or sad or disappointed, or just simply just pissed off about something. I, this might sound weird, but I truly just literally hold space for myself. I put my hand on my heart. Sometimes I, I do this. I just put my hand on my heart. I close my eyes and I say, Candy, you know what? In this moment, I'm really pissed off. This person said this to me. This thing happened. I'm really pissed off right now. And that's okay. Or you know what? I'm really angry right now. You know, my sister was really, really disrespectful to me. I can't believe she said that to me. I'm really angry. You know what? That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. And I just sit there and I literally hold space for it until that energy transmutes into something else. Sometimes I laugh, I'm like, oh, well, fine, whatever, I'll let it go. Sometimes it's neutral. Sometimes it's whatever it is. And sometimes I have to do this more than once if it's something really big. But I've learned to hold space for myself and for my humanity instead of trying to pretend like nothing bothered me. Because if nothing bothers you, then you're not a human being. And that's not true. We're all human. So for people who are looking to start their self-love journeys, those are things I would do. I really look into shame. I would really look into everything Brene Brown. I would look into self-forgiveness. I would look into journaling, being open to what that means, like create your own blueprint. What do you want to stop doing? What do you want to start doing based on your own intuition? I would start to hold space for those unpleasant big emotions that might seem scary, but know that you can work through them. I would reach out for support, whether that's a counselor or a therapist, a spiritual guide, you know, whatever you feel comfortable with. Don't think that you have to do this journey by yourself because you don't. I would start listening to podcasts like this, reading, you know, self-development books, reaching out to people who are safe because, and by safe, I just mean not everyone has the capacity to hold space for you, particularly for starting a journey of self-discovery. Because usually when you start self-discovery, you start saying no. You start standing up for yourself. Again, not in a mean, disrespectful way, but just in a, you know what? I respect myself and I know that that's what I deserve. And this is who I am. And this is just a standard for me now. People have to respect me because I'm human and every human deserves respect. And that's it. And so when you start to create those boundaries and you start to push back, not everyone is a safe space to hold space for your growth. Not that they're bad people, but they're just used to who you used to be. And they're used to living in a story of the character that you played. So when you start to play a new character in their story, that disrupts their narrative. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
what, what do you mean you can't do this for me? What do you, wait, what do you mean you're pushing? Like, wait, what? You know, people don't like it when their narrative and their bubble and the character that you've been playing in their life decides to change. So know who is safe on this journey with you. Not that they're bad, but they just might not have the capacity. And then also find community. You know, there are so many community groups, but also be careful and use your discernment. You know, if you're in a community group or you're seeking support or you're seeking help and it just doesn't feel right, don't stay. You know, there are a lot of groups out there. There are a lot of gurus out there. There are a lot of people out there, especially in the self-help and wellness community. If it feels a little off, if it feels a little culty, if it feels a little dabbling in weird stuff or just whatever it is, if you have that voice in you that says this isn't right, listen to your voice first, the best and most, and don't continue to be in that community. Don't continue to listen to seek support from that person really listen to that little gut intuition, that voice. So, and that will guide you to the right place. And sometimes it takes trial and error. You know, sometimes it takes a while to find your tribe, to find the people who are meant to help you on this journey and that you're meant to help too. So don't think that the first person you go to or the first group you join has to be it. Think of it as like dating. You know, you're trying it on, maybe it fits, maybe it doesn't. No harm, no foul, move on to the next one. So those are the things I would do. Also, meditation is really key. You know, just taking the time to slow down, connect. I pray. For me, prayer is when I talk to God. Meditation is when God talks to me. So I do, you know, prayer and talking to God and meditation. I sort of just try and like clear down and just get any downloads. So really having that dialogue with whatever higher power you, you know, connect with. You know, I think that's really huge. Taking time to connect to your body and to nature, whether it's through dancing or writing or painting or, you know, swimming or just going for a walk, sitting in the sun, just taking time to connect back to yourself. And also, whether you're male or female, also healing your divine feminine energy. And to me, that's not about gender or any like woo-woo stuff stuff. It's really just the aspect of your soul, the aspect of you that allows you to receive, allows you to be in your flow, allows you to relax and allows you to be. Your masculine energy is the do. The feminine energy is the be. So that energy is just just allows you to relax and allows you to know that you don't have to do anything in order to receive or to be worthy. So really work on healing that energy as well. Mm, oh my goodness, you packed in so many, so <laughs> many incredible no, these are just practicals and tips and strategies and takeaways. And, you know, you really put in so much of this because I know that it's like you had to do this yourself. This is you sharing how it helped you. And to be honest, this is you're pulling context out of my book again. So it's it's just so bizarre, but so in alignment because you guys, we are here sharing exactly the same message through two different shared experiences is that of all the things that life can be happen or happen to you, taking that advice about flipping the script and what Candy had shared, taking personal accountability and responsibility, but also personal inventory of where you're currently at right now. And so you could say, you know, somebody who's on the fence and saying, well, how can I forgive what happened to me? How can I forgive what was done to me? Listen, we're not here to condone or condemn or, for you know, give pass on that stuff. 
But the moment you allow forgiveness, forgiveness for you for holding on to something that wasn't your fault, that's where the healing begins. Forgiveness is such a profound, profound tool in that tool belt. Because again, forgiveness isn't about them. It's about you. You've got to set yourself free. So the longer you keep holding on to the gripes and the pain and and the turmoil of what was, it will always be a stronghold and hold you prisoner to what was and won't let you go into moving forward in healing so you can step confidently into who you're created to be. So there's a difference there. And so I really wanted to hone in on that point because it was such a pivotal moment in my life because in my book, I share so much of like, there was a lot of bad stuff that happened to me. Now I flipped it and said, this is what's happening for me. I get to share. I get to empower. I get to heal. I get to move on. I get to love. I get to experience. I get to just feel all those things that I that I shut out and shut down. And to your point, Candy, there was a really great, you know, when you talk about you can't shut down one feeling without shutting down them all. And just a quick little story here, because this was so such a breakthrough moment in my personal growth journey was I had so much pain in my life. And I just, I prayed almost every day, like, I don't want to feel, just numb me, numb me, numb me. Yeah. And to be honest, I got what I wanted. I felt nothing. And, I, and some people are like, how do you do that? I want that. No, you don't. Because in doing so, I numbed not only of the bad feelings, but the good feelings. I built the wall so high, I barricaded myself. And I remember telling my, my mentor at this time, and she's like, what do you feel when you built this fortress? I said, safe and protect. And she goes, from who? And I said, whatever's on the other side. She goes, but isn't on the other side where you want to experience the connection, the love, the belonging, the forgiveness, the healing, the joy, the, all the things that you're longing for? Are you going to find that in your little self-made fortress? And I said, well, no. And she goes, then what do you think has to happen? I said, I have to tear down some of these walls. And she said, exactly. And so we worked through that. We worked through the healing. We worked through that. You know, the, the things that I felt I had to protect myself from. Because on that other side is where I really got to experience what I needed, but yet I had to give myself that forgiveness and the healing first. So don't think that the people or the world owe you anything because they don't. Again, tying this back into your divine birthright, nobody can take it from you and nobody can replace it. Nobody could do anything about that. That's you and unique and only to you. And that's where, again, when you get to have this privilege of really getting to know the intimacies of who you are, oh man, is it a beautiful relationship with you, right? Yourself. So to piggyback off of what Candy was sharing about self-love and respect and, and all the things that we deserve, again, we can't get that if we aren't giving it ourselves. So we can't, again, look from the inside and project and say, this is what you, all the people that, you know, in our life should treat me this way. It's now about showing up in the being and the intentional and how you are, like you're living in this, you know, holistic aspect of who you are in this divine, it radiates out to people and it's now you're attracting people into your space. So you don't have to go tell all those people who did you wrong, you deserve to treat me this way. Listen, they got their own crap. We got your own crap. But it's ultimately at the end of the day, how are you being for yourself? How are you treating yourself? And it goes back to that golden rule. You know, you can't expect others to treat you any way that you haven't done for yourself and vice versa. So it just allows you to tap in to be so, so ingrained with the love and the compassion and the forgiveness and the empathy and the respect and the dignity and, and all the things of self. So whatever we're seeking externally is ultimately found within. So that's also your measure of perceived value of respect. So when we talk about perceived value of worth, 
It could be worth in love, worth in respect, worth in dignity. So what is that measure and level that you're willing to give yourself? Because we can't expect, for example, if we're only giving ourselves like a 3% of our love, can we expect our husbands to give us 10? We don't even know what's beyond a four at this point. So what is that expectation? We have to give ourselves that. So if we want that 10 from our husband, we better be giving ourselves that 10 for ourselves because now we have a measure to know what is feeling like we're actually being met. Our needs are being met. So, wow, this has just been an incredible, incredible conversation. I know that we're going to carry this on into a whole nother space, but just as uh, we bring things full circle and I do want to leave to tie in my last kind of words on this part before I have Candy close this out here is that at the end of the day, it comes back to you, right? So you have the power to create your own story. Whatever you don't like in those people's lives, they don't like about you in your life, doesn't matter. That narrative, you get to flip the script and create your own story. So I'd love for you, Candy, to share a little bit more about how people can follow along with you on your journey, be a part of all this incredible work that you're doing, and just bring people up into this place so they too can fully step into their purpose, their passion, and make a profit doing that. Yeah. So I before I do that, the one last thing I would say is also when you're journaling and, and thinking about your self-love journey, a great prompt would be, what would it feel like to feel safe within myself? Because I think that's one of the keys that's missing. We don't think it's safe to feel within ourselves. And that's why we seek outside ourselves for safety. But the safety comes from within. And then when you feel safe within, then you know what places to seek that are safe without. So I would say that. And then if you guys want to join me, you can listen to my podcast. It's The Soft Life with Candy Washington. We talk about self-love. We talk about healthy relationships. We even do a little manifestation, but in a very practical, down-to-earth way. You can also get my courses in a free self-love guide on candywashington.com backslash courses. Oh, and Instagram at Candy Washington. <laughs> oh, awesome, awesome, awesome. So all of that will be in the show notes below. So be sure to check that out. And of course, connect with Candy. Let her know how you found her and, and let her know how this episode lands. And, you know, of course, even the same with us, the confidentwoman.co. And of course, mine is I am Rachel Brooks. So we put out this content really for you guys to know that, you know, we feel you, we get it. Like we don't just create this space as creators just for the sake of nothingness. This is something that we, you know, we've tapped into our passion and purpose. And so this is part of what we do and how we show up in our spaces as well. So if you like this, you know, be sure to follow us, share this episode, and hopefully that'll help impact somebody else's life as well. So thanks again for joining us. Thank you so much, Rachel. Hey there. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of the Confident Woman Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did, please be sure to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Thanks again for listening.